This evening, God's Word comes to us from Genesis chapter 20. Genesis 20, we'll be reading the 18 verses of this chapter. Genesis chapter 20, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's Word. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev, and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man, because the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you and you shall live. And If you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have, you, how have I sinned against you, that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought, There is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me. At every place to which we come, say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you, and before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and the female slaves so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, tonight we continue to look at the somewhat roller coaster life of Abraham. I say that because sometimes we see Abraham walking so very close to God and in strict obedience to Him. And sometimes we see him falling away, walking on his own path. 
Abraham, the father of believers, God had called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham follows in faith. But very quickly, after God brings him into Canaan, Abraham decides of his own accord to go down to Egypt. God had taken him on that whole trip, but suddenly there is a famine, and, and Abraham thinks, God can't take care of me anymore. And Abraham follows his own desires and goes down to Egypt. God brings him back. He, uh, he is able to defeat four great kings. God gives him that covenant ceremony, promising him God would be his God to him and to his descendants. And the next thing we see is Abraham seeking help from Hagar, going his own way, not following God's plan, but trying to do things on his own. We see Abraham last time in his strength, bargaining with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham is sometimes following God closely, sometimes going in his own way. Tonight, once again, we come to one of those low points in the life of Abraham, where he takes his eyes off of God, where he decides to go his own way and follow his own plan. As I have said again and again, the story of Abraham in Genesis 12 to 25 is not a story of the faithfulness of Abraham, but the story of the faithfulness of Abraham's God. If that's the only thing you remember from this series, that's the truth. The story of the faithfulness of Abraham's God. Faithful to Abraham and faithful to us as well. We are confronted with Abraham tonight uh, as he makes decisions contrary to God's plan for him. And yet I find myself, as I've said before, comforted by Abraham, not so much by the strength that he has, but comforted in his weakness. Because even in these sinful choices, God does not write him off. God does not say the covenant is over. But God gives him grace upon grace upon grace. We see that wonderfully in the story tonight. The story begins, verse 1. From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. Now, I don't know how good your ancient Near East geography is, but I had to look up where those places were. Abraham is once again traveling south. And he is once again, as he did earlier, he is once again leaving the land God had promised to him. He is traveling south toward Philistia. Now, last time he went south, there was a reason. There was a family in the land, and Abraham says, I'll go south, I'll go down to Egypt and find food there. Here we're not told why he decides to go. He simply takes it on himself to leave the promised land, that God, the, the land God had said, you will live here, and goes down to Philistia. As he travels, verse 2, Abraham said of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now kids, I hope that sounds a little bit familiar to you. Abraham saying of Sarah, she is my sister. Because we have heard that before. Back at the beginning of the Abraham story, back in chapter 12, the last time Abraham decided to go south to leave the land of God, 
He said of Sarah, she is my sister. That had taken place 25 years earlier. 25 years ago, Abraham did this very same thing, going down to the south and saying of Sarah, she is my sister. We saw how in Egypt, Abraham was treated well because of that deception, but it ended up badly. Even with the prosperity he was given, Abraham and Lot have to separate. Eventually, Abraham has to go into battle to rescue Lot. So while it seemed like God was blessing him, it actually was difficulty for Abraham. It split up his family. It's now 25 years later. Abraham has walked with God for all of those years, and you almost want to say to Abraham, haven't you learned anything? We've been looking at your story. We've been looking at God's faithfulness. For 25 years, he has cared for you. For 25 years, he has assured you of the promise. He is your God, and he will be the God of your children. Abraham, how could you do this? How could you fall back to this old trick once again? I say, we might like to say that to Abraham. Then I begin to think, of my walk in my own life. I have had the privilege of walking with God all the years of my life. I don't remember a day that I wasn't a part of his church, that I wasn't aware of his care. And yet I say, how quickly, how quickly I will resort to taking things into my own hands rather than waiting upon the Lord and trusting in his word. I'll even go back and and do the same things that didn't work before and try them again. We are so prone to forget God's faithfulness. We are so prone to journey south, to go away from the promised land, away from the place of God, and try to do things our own way. And yet God does not say to Abraham, I am done with you. Rather, God shows him his grace. Grace for Abraham because he will confront him with his sin. Verse 9, Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Abimelech, the unrighteous king, calls Abraham to account. God uses him to confront him with his sin. And how does Abraham respond? Verse 11, Abraham said, I did it because I thought, There is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. There is no fear of God. He knew he was leaving the promised land. He knew he was going down to Philistia, a place where they would not fear God. And yet he goes anyway. God comes and with the words of Abimelech confronts Abraham with the choice that he has made. And as Abraham responds, he even tries to somewhat blame God. Look at verse 13. 
And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. When God caused me to wander, it wasn't my choice, but God made me do this. God brought me to this wandering path, and I've continued to wander. He tries to make God a co-conspirator as to why he chose to do this sin. Now that also might sound familiar to us. Back at the beginning of this Genesis series, as we saw God coming to confront Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden when they had sinned against God, what does Adam say? He says, God, the woman you gave me, she made me do this. The woman you gave me, had it not been for you, God, giving me this woman, I wouldn't have done it. Abraham continues to try to to pass the buck even blaming God for what has happened now. And God still doesn't leave. But God shows him grace upon grace upon grace. God will patiently and lovingly forgive his child. Even after 25 years, even when he should have known better, God is so gracious to Abraham, so patient with Abraham, not ending the covenant, but continuing to take him along the way and to grow him in his walk with God. What a wonderful encouragement for us. Some of you have uh, walked with God much longer than I have, more years in your life, longer than 25 years, longer than 50 years. And God still forgives us. We who should know better Many of us raised in the covenant church, brought up on the law of God, and yet we still choose to go our own way. God is so merciful. God is so gracious. God is so patient. The grace of God to Abraham in his patient forgiveness. We see God's grace shown to Sarah in this story. From verse 2, And Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister, and Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. This is not only the second time for Abraham doing this. This is the second time for Sarah doing this. And she knows what will happen. If Abraham says of her, she is my sister, she knows some other man will take her. And yet God is gracious to Sarah. And God keeps Abimelech from approaching her as a husband to a wife. God's gracious protection for Sarah. Protection for her sake, but also protection for the sake of God, for his name's sake. God had made a promise to Abraham. God had said, about a year from now, I will return and Sarah will have a son by you. If Abimelech had acted as as her husband, what would have become of the promise of God? God protects Sarah for his name's sake, graciously protecting her from, from this sin. 
and how encouraging it is to us also. God graciously, lovingly protects us. He protects us in physical ways. He protects us in the travels that we do to and from church, to and from work, wherever we might go. He even protects us from our own foolish choices. We didn't talk about this this morning in our study of, uh, of the Sixth Commandment, but you might have noticed the confession says, we may not recklessly endanger ourselves either. The grace of protection. Even when we foolishly choose to do things that might injure us, God's grace in protecting His people. Protecting us physically, protecting us spiritually. When we are tempted to go down to Philistia, when we are tempted to leave the ways of the Lord, God lovingly and graciously comes and He warns us. He reminds us that the way of sin is a hard way. The way of sin will not be blessed by Him. And He comes in His grace and in His love and He warns us, don't go that way. God's grace of protection. He lays out before us the path of life, the path of blessing. Not necessarily the path of ease, but the path that will be a blessing for us. God's gracious protection for us. God's gracious protection for our children. We think particularly of our young people. The challenges, young people, that you will face in life. The curiosity about various types of sin. God graciously will protect you. We as parents wish we could always be there to watch over and care for you, but we simply can't. And so we are so thankful we have a God who loves us and our children and graciously protects them. Oh, we may not tempt God to see how far we can go in disobedience. No, we must heed God's warnings. It's a story of God's grace. God's grace to Abraham in his patient forgiveness. God's grace to Sarah in her protection. And then we come to Abimelech. And Abimelech is the puzzling, and for me this past week, troubling part of this story. Abimelech is not a part of the covenant people. Abimelech is a king in Philistia. And yet, God will come to this ungodly king and will restrain evil in his life. The restraint of evil in the life of the ungodly. Now, those of you who are sensitive to church history, especially Reformed church history, know that that question of the way that God restrains evil in the life of the ungodly has been a point of contention. In fact, it was almost 100 years ago, a whole denomination began because of that question. What is the nature of God's work in the life of the reprobate? Some of you are familiar with the Common Grace discussions of 1924 and the formation of the Protestant Reformed churches. What is God's relationship to the reprobate? 
the title of this sermon is particularly chosen. The original title of this sermon was Grace, Grace, and More Grace. That was my first title. But as I reflected on this, God shows grace to Abraham. God shows grace to Sarah. But I do not believe God shows grace to Abimelech. God restrains his sin. God keeps him from violating Sarah. But even that restraint of sin is for the sake of the righteous, not for Abimelech's sake. It is for the sake of Sarah. It is for the sake of Abraham. And God says that to Abimelech. When Abimelech tries to declaim he's innocent, God says to him in verse 6, God said to him in his dream, Yes, I know you have done this in the integrity of your heart, but it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God had restrained. It was not because Abimelech was a great man, but for the sake of Sarah, for the sake of Abraham, for the sake of the promise. God restrained the sin in the ungodly. Abimelech was able to give external conformity to the law of God, but it was only external. We have no record in this text or elsewhere that Abimelech's heart had been changed We have no record in this text or elsewhere that Abimelech was converted and joined with the people of God and traveled with them back to the promised land. It was only an external conformity to what God required. And that's a good reminder for us. The ungodly can give external conformity to the law of God. In many ways, this story in Genesis 20 is in contrast to the story earlier about Sodom and Gomorrah. And we dealt with that last time. And the depravity in Sodom and Gomorrah, the terrible things going on there. And when some ungodly person looks like a Sodomite or someone from Gomorrah, we say it's not hard to recognize them and not hard to stay away from them. But what about when they look like Abimelech? One who seems to be doing what God wants. They're not as bad as they possibly can be. God restrains the sin of this wicked king. The ungodly don't always look ungodly. But for anyone, no matter what their external actions, for anyone who refuses to bow the knee to Jesus Christ, they need to be called to repentance. They need to be called to faith. If you are here tonight offering God an external conformity only to His Word, simply trying to do things that that you think outwardly will look good, God calls you to humble your heart. External conformity to God's law is simply not sufficient to save. But it is a heart that is broken by our sin, humbled before God, and a heart that embraces Jesus Christ. Not what our hands have done can save our guilty souls. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. 
if you are trusting in your own morality to get you into heaven, even if God is restraining sin from, from you running into overwhelming sin, acknowledge your need for a Savior, for a heart, that, for a heart that's been changed. Hear the word of God's call and promise of forgiveness, and then that will be grace. Grace that washes us, grace that cleanses us, grace that gives us a new life. We have to remember that when we, when we talk with our neighbors and our friends. We might have neighbors who are wonderful people. They are, they're good neighbors. They, uh, they, they keep their lawn well done. They always wave to us as we leave the house. But if they are unbelieving, no matter how good they look, they need the gospel. Yes, if they look like Sodom and Gomorrah, we can recognize that more clearly, but anyone who fails to name the name of Jesus Christ stands in need of the grace of God. Tonight is a reminder, a reminder of God's grace to his people, God's grace to Abraham as he patiently and continually forgives him for going his own way. That's the grace of God. God's grace for Sarah as he lovingly and graciously protects her from being violated. That's the grace of God. But we also have the warning that even if God externally restrains sin, he calls us to repent of that sin. He calls us to bow the knee before him to embrace Jesus Christ. If that is the case, that will be grace as well. But if we are left in simple external obedience, we have nothing to hope for but an eternal eternity away from God. Oh, God is gracious. Oh, God is merciful. And tonight, once again, he warns us and he calls us to put our faith in him. Let's join together in time of prayer. Lord God, thank you for your holy word a word that reminds us of how patient, how loving, and how caring you are. Truly, O oh God, you have given us grace upon grace upon grace. And yet if we are here tonight and have not embraced Jesus Christ, even if we are not living in debauchery, if we're not living down in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lord God, break our hearts. May we recognize that our morality, our attempt at external obedience simply is not sufficient Lord God, help us by your Spirit to embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, that we not know condemnation, but we too might know of your glorious grace. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to 386 in the Psalter. 386, how vast the benefits divine which we in Christ possess. We're going to sing all three verses, 386. Let's stand together as we sing.